We are in Mosiah 11 through 14 today. The reason it's so many chapters is this is a story that we are super familiar with. We're at Wicked King Noah. And um, one of my favorite memories is of a ward Christmas party we had and one of the men dressed up as Wicked King Noah and it was just awesome. It was really fun. Anyway, okay, verse 1. It tells us that Noah did not walk in the ways of his father. And that's how we know Zenith was not wicked. Um, I, I really do think Zenith was just kind of lukewarm. And I'm sorry if that is not true. But that's just kind of the feeling I get. Because it does bother me that he appointed Noah to be the next king. Verse 2. It tells us that Noah walked after the desires of his own heart. And that really reminded me of Elder Bednar's talk just in conference on Sunday, which was all centered on the state of our heart and that there's over a thousand references to the heart in the um, four Gospels that we have or the standard works. And I love that. Okay, it tells us when it talks about his own desires that he pay, places a 20% tax on his people. He has concubines and wives, but he also has harlots, which holy night. And then it tells us he did riotous living. Um, they did not work. And he was also a wine bibber, which means he's just a drunk, um, that they drink a lot. Um, it also tells us that he ordained priests in verse 5. He put away the priests that his father had ordained who were worthy, and he ordained his own priests, who were, he picked, wicked and prideful. And one of the things that I like about that is I remember when we were studying um, the Ten Virgins, a friend of mine had this aha where she said it's interesting in the picture that the five wise are grouped together and the five foolish are grouped together. They're not intermixed. And she said the spirit said to her very clearly as she was studying, who are your five wise? And I love that. And that's something I think of often. Who do you surround yourself with? And obviously, Noah surrounded himself with people who are very like-minded. That's so dangerous. We need to make sure that we surround ourselves with people who we look at and go, they are going to make it to heaven. They are following Christ. These are wise people. We need to make sure we surround ourselves with those kind of people. So I love that. Okay. Um, love that illustration, I should say. Not love that he surrounded himself with really wicked people. Okay, verse 12. And it came to pass, he built a tower near the temple, a very high tower, even so high he could stand on the top. And um, the interesting thing on that is he did not do it for the purpose that others have done it. He was not doing it to be a watchman on the tower, which we consider our prophet. He was not doing it to look for danger, and to look for things that we need to be aware of to safeguard our people. He was doing it for the purpose of overlooking all that he considered his. He did it out of pride. And I love that conference talk years and years ago with the quote that pride is having, pride is concerned with having more 
than someone else has. That's what pride is. And that's such a good illustration here that he has this tower because he wants to look and see what he has and be proud of what he has. 16, the Lamanites start coming and start pilfering off their stuff and stealing. But obviously, there are warnings happening. And if you think of this in a spiritual sense, here are warnings happening. But it tells us that he only weakly protected. He sent guards, but not enough, not a sufficient number. And the thought I had here is, are we truly guarding, sorry, safeguarding our own life? How have we protected ourselves? Are we turning to the Lord? Are we doing what he asks us to do? Or are we sending just the minimal? Are we just doing the minimal scripture reading? Are we just doing the minimal prayer? Or are we truly embracing ourselves and come follow me in scripture reading? And all the things that the Lord has commanded us to do and asked us to do and promised if we do, it will safeguard our families. And I even loved in conference when they talked about even though we don't have temples, which is such a loss right now, that we can do be, be doing family history and living temple worthy. We're still entitled to those promises. So I love that. Okay, in 20, we are introduced to Abinadi. And this is exactly who we just came off of reading when Ammon is talking to Limhi and Ammon comes and Limhi thinks this is them going to rescue. He's right. It is an answer to prayer. And Limhi totally knows it is because they have killed Abinadi. So here we are. We're at Abinadi. And one thing that I love about that is we absolutely know God always sends a warning voice. We have been promised that again and again and again. And so I love that here we are introduced to Abinadi. And his whole message is to repent. And then um, tells them very clearly that none can deliver you but God. And also in 24, that God will be very slow to hear their cries because they are so wicked. And one of the things that I loved about that is we have already had a fast. President Nelson called for a fast. And one of the things I wrote in my journal is, are we recognizing the miracles that God is already sending or because this COVID is continuing, are we discounting the miracle and thinking, okay, now we need a second fast? The interesting thing to me is Utah has really sat and hovered where most things, if you track the COVID numbers, they are multiplying and exponentially. And Utah really isn't. And I don't think, um, I haven't looked at other um, states or other countries. So I, that's why I'm using Utah is because my dad and following that. So I don't mean to discount other places or say it's only Utah because we're more righteous. I don't think that at all. I think miracles are happening. happening. And one of the biggest is that we had the prophet and all the apostles speak to us and none of them has been affected as far as we know. That's pretty powerful miracle. And I was praying really hard that they would be protected. And I'm sure many, many were. So I love that. And I love that Facebook page where we now have all these people. It's up to 300,000, more than 300,000 committing to join in this fast from all different walks away, life, all different religions. And I love that because when it talks about the Lord will be slow, to hear their cries, that's what it reminds me of, that this is an opportunity for all of us to acknowledge God and turn to him. So I love that. And then I love in 27, 
they um now when king noah had heard the words of abinadi he was wroth and he said who is abinadi that I and my people should be judged of him, or who is the Lord? And I write right there, whoa, that is so dangerous. And I think that's just, I have taught my kids, anytime you question a prophet or you press, question God, wow, watch out. He's going to teach you who he is. Don't ask. Okay, 28, Um, this was really cool. Um. They then he says, go and capture him. He wants to kill him. And I remember going to a talk down in Provo, one of the education week talks. And the man was so funny. He said it is literally like hearing that smoking causes death and cancer and and the doctor telling you this and deciding to kill the doctor rather than stopping smoking. That is virtually what it is. Let's kill the messenger and then we can be done with this. It's such a comical thing. Okay, so then in chapter 12, we find out Abinadi stays away for two years and the Lord commands him to come and say it again. And then in verse four, it says, and it shall come to pass. I will smite this people with sore afflictions, with famine, with pestilence. I will cause that they howl all day long. And I love that only because I've thought so much about the second coming and all the scriptures we have and quotes we have where it says, if we will not listen to his voice, if we will not listen to it through the scriptures, if we will not listen to it through the prophet and apostles, surely we will listen through affliction, through pestilence, through famine, through burden through bondage, through destruction. Just repent. Isn't it awesome that our world is coming together to pray for a miracle? I love that. It means we are heeding and that makes me so happy. Okay, um, let's see. They, they take him, verse 9, they capture him. And then here is such an illustration of these wicked, wicked priests that King Noah has surrounded himself with. This is just dripping with evil. In verse 13, Oh now, and now, O king, what great evil hast thou done, or what great sins have thy people committed, that we should be condemned of God, or judged of this man? That is just disgusting to me. 14, thou art guiltless. 15, we are strong. I mean, can you believe the pride. It is just incredible to me. And that just reeks with the voice of Satan and with pride. And it's just sad. Okay. Verse 17. Um, so they cast him into prison because they're going to come up with a way to kill him, justify a way that they can do away with him and not have guilt for it, which is funny because I would imagine they're probably pretty free of guilt because their hearts are in such a bad state at this point. But it reminds me a lot of when they cast the Savior in prison and sat and tried to think of ways to justify killing him when they put Joseph Smith in prison and sat and tried to justify ways to kill with kill him. So that's just so familiar. Okay, 19, they let him come forth. They're going to question him and try and trick him. And I just, again, I laugh so hard because he has the Holy Ghost. He has God. Are you kidding me? And I love that it tells us in 19, he withstood them and confounded them. It's so important that we have God on our side. And in 25, I love this. Abinadi said unto them, are you priests and pretend to teach this people and to understand the scriptures, oh, the spirit of prophesying, and yet ye desire to know of me? 
what these things mean. I love that he totally does not mince words. Like, are you kidding me that you are standing here acting like you are priests and teachers? That's just ridiculous. So I love it. And then in 30, I love that he says, know ye not that I speak the truth. Yea, you know, I speak the truth. Prophets of God do not mince words and they do not have fear. And I love that. And then in 33, he starts to teach them and it's so simple. But in 33, he says, I know if you keep the commandments of God, you shall be saved. That simple. If we obey, we will be saved. He sums it up right there. And then in 37, now Abinadi said, have you done this? I say unto you, nay, you have not. Have you taught this people that they should do this? I say unto you, nay, you have not. And then I love in 13 and 14, he begins and he'll continue in those chapters. But it's, we will be judged for what we know. So Abinadi and God are covering the bases. Let me be clear. This is what truth is. And, and Abinadi just starts to lay it out. And even when Noah says, just take him away and kill him. I love in verse three that he says, touch me not. His only fear is not fulfilling God's command. That is his only purpose. And he does not care he does not fear them. And I love that. And he goes from verses 7 on through 35. He teaches them the basic commandments, the law of Moses. And then in chapter 14, he quotes Isaiah all about the Savior. It's so important that he does that so that they will be judged for knowing that truth, for hearing that truth. And then I love, um, the thought I had about this is... I um, did not absolutely love Saturday's session of conference. It was hard for me. I was a little bit bothered because I really wanted to hear some solace. I really wanted to hear them bring up the missionaries coming home, to bring up COVID, to bring up um, economic distress, all of these things that we're going through. And it kind of bothered me in all honesty that it was all about the Book of Mormon and all about the restoration. And although that's neat, I felt like that's what we've been studying the last six months. So why are we hearing what we already know? And this so struck me this morning as I studied this because we will be judged for what we know. And God is covering the bases with the prophets and apostles. Here it is. Here's the truth. This is what happened. This is the restoration. This is what Joseph Smith did. Here's the Book of Mormon. And that just really touched me this morning. I thought, okay, I need to go back and listen with a better heart. Um, because then Sunday they did speak words of solace and comfort and it was beautiful but that really came clear to me they speak basic truth because we will be judged on what we know and what we have been taught and they taught it very clearly um hope you enjoy these chapters i'm sure you will um love the book of mormon hope you know god loves you and have a great day